Welcome into The Harvest. I'm Andrew Stroud. This podcast is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in everyday life, to live and share the ancient faith in our modern world. And something we all need if we're going to do that is endurance. So joining me today for a conversation on what it means to follow Jesus with endurance is my good friend, Susie Walther. Susie, thanks for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Now, you are the founding director of the Well Training Ministry there in Tampa, Florida. You and I have known each other for 20 plus a years. long time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just by way of introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the vision God has given you for the ministry at the Well. So a little bit about your story and the story of the Well, just to get us started. Okay, well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be here with you, Andrew. We do go way back. You were still single. Now you're married and a grandpa on the whole nine yards. So, um, but yeah, so my story, uh, uh, just, you know, typical as far as my my Christian story, wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, I thought it was Christian because we knew we weren't Buddhist and we knew that we weren't Hindu. But beyond that, I just really didn't understand what, what Christianity was all about. I joined the military as a young woman at 18, and it was my army roommate in Germany who actually introduced me to Jesus Christ. And she began discipling me, even though I didn't understand that's exactly what she was doing. And she brought me into Christian community, even though I didn't understand what that was all about. And that really started something. So I felt like I had a really great beginning in my Christian walk. And then kind of the wheels fell off because I left the military and I went into my first church experience. And as great as that was in the beginning, because it was fresh and new, it also became very old and stale very, very quickly because there was no accountability. There was no expectation beyond me showing up, singing some songs and writing some sermon notes. And I began to lose the flame for my Christian faith, started rolling back into some of my old sins, but I was convinced that Jesus was Lord. I just wasn't sure how to live the life. And I just couldn't think and believe that the life was just me going to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And so God in his mercy, he allowed me to move from being a single woman to a married woman and a married woman whose husband was in the military and he was stationed at um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where I got placed in another discipling kind of ministry culture with the navigators. And that sparked something again. So out of that experience with the navigators, out of that experience that also led me into another military ministry, Protestant Women of the Chapel, God began to do something sort of like if I ever had my own ministry one day, what would it look like? And so I didn't know that he was really going to act on any of that. But one day the seeds for a women's ministry were birthed inside of me. And hence we've got the well um, training and discipleship ministry. So uh, just really felt like there was a there were a lot of women like me in the church, a lot of women like me who were just kind of tired of doing church, knew that they were convinced that Jesus was real and Christianity was a true faith, but just couldn't figure out how to really live this faith and to find the purpose in the faith that we were designed to have. And so 
Yeah, that's it. So the well started in 2005 and it incorporated in 2008. And, um, you know, it's just been growing ever since. And the pandemic took the ministry from being a mostly uh, local ministry, took us online. And uh, so now um, and then in, in the midst of that, we bought some properties. So we are also developing a training campus where women can um, receive uh, you know, training and discipleship, but also really begin to experience authentic Christian communities. So we've created community space and training space for women in the Tampa Bay area that's open to women from all over the place. So that's where we are now. And then next week, we kick off our first set of uh, uh, groups meeting at the property, the Well Campus. And uh, the next stage is a training center. So bada bing, bada boom. Well, it's super exciting. Um, I was spending a little bit of time on your website here this week. I love it. You guys have redone it. It's a tremendous resource. So we're going to provide links in the description of the YouTube video and also in our podcast notes so folks can go and learn more about the ministry that that the Lord is doing through the well training ministry. Like you said, you guys are based there in Tampa, Florida, and there's a there's a great local work that God is doing. But you do have um, quite a few online resources available as well. And and you guys have a, a webinar and online training coming up. Is that right, Susie? So not so much a webinar, but yes, we do online training. So we just completed a big online training, um, but we're like for myself um, in another week or so, we're kicking off what I call a tr- uh, an equipping course. So this is a great um, opportunity for women who are leading groups or Bible studies or even a women's ministry of some su- of some um, some type to kind of come in and 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 receive exactly what it's called equipping. Uh, you get resources, you kind of get a a um, a worldview, uh, just a way to think through deciding and begin to incorporate it in the kind of context that God has given us to minister in. So uh, I'll be doing an equipping course that's both um, online, it's also in person. So got a lot of stuff happening, Um, you know, conferences coming up, just a lot of stuff going on, lots of free resources on our website, all to help women who are already on the front lines of ministry or getting ready to join those front lines to give them tools, to give them language, to give them resources and support for the ministry that God has called them to do in the hopes that it'll help them become even more effective. Yeah. So this upcoming training that is going to take place online as well as in person, is that available to anyone who's listening today? Can they go and any any woman can join that? Absolutely. Okay. Any woman can join it. So it, the the equipping course will be available, like I said, online on the well campus, but it's also going to or um, in person on the well campus online via Zoom. So if okay. they go to the website, they register, then um, I'll send them the Zoom link and then we just go from there. Yeah. And I know you guys do a, uh, I don't know if it's weekly or monthly, but you have a newsletter that goes out. So if folks want to subscribe to that, then they'll be in the loop for any future training events that you guys have have coming up this year as well. So would definitely encourage people uh, to do that. It's exciting to see the work yeah. that God is doing. And like you said, not, helping women find that vision for the work that God is is calling them to in the world, but then also providing very practical training and equipping 
to begin to move out on that mission, which is what we, which is what we all need. You know, that's, that's really the, the basis of discipleship and just listening to you tell your story. I've got uh, some overlap in my own story. And one way that I communicate it, um, is that when I came to faith, I had a very clear sense of the thou shalt nots, all of the bad things that I had been doing, the lifestyle that I had been living, that I knew, uh, the Lord was calling me to, to leave behind in that old self. Um, but I really struggled with the thou shouts. So, so what am I supposed to start doing as a follower of Jesus? And, you know, the new Testament writers sometimes talk about taking off the old self. It's almost like changing, changing clothes, right? So you need to take off that, that old self, but you also need to put on the new self. So it's, it's that it's a two part process that the Lord is calling us to. And I think that's where personal disciple making and equipping comes in. And I would agree. And I think that that's a piece that is um, that is really lacking in understanding, I think, in the general Christian populace. We we understand that it's it's, you know, it's faith alone um, in the sense that we're saved by grace. But we don't understand how the outworking of that salvation, um, how what takes place. And we don't understand our participation in this new creation that God is doing. And um I mean, discipleship doesn't make sense unless you understand that God wants you to participate in something with him. So yeah. the whole idea of co-laboring and co-working with God. So we don't labor to get saved, but there is a working out of our salvation. And that working out is our discipleship as we follow Christ. So, yeah. Yeah. My simple definition of discipleship is discipleship is living a life of devotion to Jesus. And I just try to keep it super short. So if if you're going through life um, purposely living a life of devotion to Jesus, then that is discipleship. And then it's just a question of, is your discipleship informed? Do you understand yeah. um, how to live that life of devotion in a way that pleases him and actually syncs with what he's doing in the world? And so, um, yeah, I think it's great. And hopefully... Some of our conversation today will will point people in that direction. So I know you and I talked briefly. Well, we texted briefly last week about uh, some of what we wanted to cover. You know, as I said in the intro, um, if we're going to follow Jesus and help others follow him in this life, it's it's for a lifetime. And that's why endurance is such an important part of the Christian life. It's an important part of what the, the, the scriptures call us to. Uh, and it's kind of the the where the rubber meets the road, you know, because we can talk about faith and discipleship. But, um, you know, when we finish this podcast, we're going to go throughout our days and we're going to be actively seeking to follow Jesus, uh, not just in the now, but in the future as well. So why don't we transition to talking about the endurance of a disciple? And um, have you ever heard this phrase that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Yes. Yes. So uh, it was Eugene Peterson who wrote a book uh, with that title. And he was particularly uh, contrasting that mindset with the modern world that we live in, which is the age of instant. You know, we have microwaves, um, we have online shopping and we want things to happen quickly. But he, um, he actually borrowed the phrase from Frederick Nietzsche, I believe, uh, that, uh, at least the, the idea of it being along, um, obedience, uh, discipleship is a life of obedience, slow obedience, the same direction. How did I just say it? 
Yeah, a long obedience in the same direction. In the same direction, yeah. yeah. So it was Nietzsche, I believe, who actually coined that phrase, but then Peterson, I think, sanctified it and, and put it uh, <laughs> into practice with uh, what it means to follow Jesus. So a long obedience in the same direction is what the Lord is, is calling us to. So let's start with just defining, you know, when the Bible talks about endurance, you know, what are we talking about here for our listeners? What is God calling us to? Well, for me, it's it's exactly what you said. And I think the it's it's really just understanding where we are positionally with Christ. And from the the Bible's vantage point, you and I simply follow. So if I know that I am not that Jesus is Lord and I am not him, I'm not the Lord, and that my my response to this Lord is to follow, then I mean that's the long obedience in the same direction. I just keep following him. If he's moving forward, I'm moving forward. And it's, it's, I, I just feel like it's that, um, it's that understanding that again, Jesus is Lord. I am not. It's that understanding that, um, who I am is rooted in Christ. And if I'm rooted in Christ, you know, just that reality that Jesus is not moving away from the father. On any level, is he ever moving away from the Father? Therefore, mm-hmm. I would never be moving away from Christ if I'm rooted in Christ. So it's this concept of endurance is knowing that you're rooted in something and you're simply following this person that you're rooted in, you're connected to. And um you know, it's I, I think it's it's a it's a conviction. Your your endurance is going to flow out of a conviction um, that I live, I move, I exist only in him. Sort of like what it says in Acts 17, 28. So um, it's just the understanding that positionally I follow. It's the understanding that, you know, theologically I'm rooted and, you know, existentially who I am, all that I can be, it's connected with him. I live, I move, I exist only in him. So it almost be like suicide, not to continue following with the one that gives life, not to continue following the one who is actually Lord and master. So for me, endurance is just don't quit following. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep following. Man, I love that. You see, you're already bringing out the gold uh, because... You know, I think it's very tempting for us to think of endurance as something we do for Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to endure for, I'm going to endure to this life he's called me to, which is depending on how you understand that it's true, but you know, what you're really highlighting, it's, it's really to endure with Jesus, to, to remain connected to him, to move out where he moves out and, and uh, to not lose that, that touch. In fact, maybe that would be a question to ask, you know, is is it possible to endure if we're not staying attached to Jesus? Uh, spiritually, no. It would be the, it would be akin to if I took the plant out of the soil. Could the plant exist for a little bit on its own? Yes, but eventually that plant is going to die because it doesn't live and exist, you know, and move only in itself. It lives and exists and moves within something. So, uh, you know, on our own, we're going to peter out there. There's not a whole lot that we're going to be able to eke out. That's good. And I would say, too, apart from Christ, you know, who is sustaining us, the one who is life giving, the one who is who is who is defining my life. I mean, without him, then um, if I if I separate um, I'm going to have to grapple. I'm going to have to scrap. I'm going to have to use people. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to manipulate 
just to keep myself alive and going. So mm-hmm. I think the abundant life, which is why I think Jesus, defined, the abundant life is found in him. And if I just stay there, it's that it's life giving, it's life flowing, you know? So again, right. endurance, I think has to do with, um, you know, staying. I think this is why the Bible talks about abiding. If, yeah. you, if you abide, you'll be sustained. If you mm-hmm. are sustained, you will live. If you live, you can endure. All of these concepts are to are together. You know, yeah. if the God of all mm-hmm. creation can persevere and you're connected to him, then you're going to make it. Yeah, you're going to make it. You know, so it's it's all connected, I think. Right, man, I, I love that. And it, in my mind, the things that are coming coming to mind are Jesus's first invitation and then his kind of his last call to Peter in particular in the Gospel of John. So, of course, at the beginning of his of his call of the disciples, it was to follow me. And uh, what you're saying is so true that they had to physically put themselves in his presence and then stay with him uh, as he traveled over those those uh intervening years. And then at the end, after he's, you know, you know, risen from the dead and he's spending time with his disciples post-resurrection in John's gospel, there's this beautiful story about Jesus, um, calling Peter to follow him. And, um, and then Peter looks back and he sees John, the the disciple (laughs) whom Jesus loved. And he's like, well, what What about, about what about him? (laughs) And, you know, Jesus's response is, is just so great. You know, he's like, Hey, if I want him to remain until the end, what does that matter to you? You know, your job is to follow me. It's to respond to this call. And I think if you think about, um, you know, a picture of the disciples failing to endure, you know, it, it would be the garden. It would be Gethsemane. It would be Jesus, you know, inviting those closest disciples to, to stay with him, to watch with him. You know, they, they literally, he just needed them to stay awake. <laughs> that was it. You know, like he didn't even, you know, he did tell them to, to watch and pray, right. but, but yeah, it, it, they couldn't even stay awake. Um, and then, of course, later, you know, they all fled. And they, in Peter's case, he denied. So there was a there was a failure of endurance there. And it was a failure to to stay with Jesus um, in that moment. Of course, you know the, the story, and maybe that's a that's a good picture of endurance. Doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that we don't ever have failings and, and setbacks. But it's the it seems to be the the overarching direction of our lives and and our commitment to to remain with christ as the years pass yeah and i mean even using the example of a plant you've got a plant i've got a plant on my kitchen table i don't know why the thing keeps getting a yellow leaf here and there i don't know why one of the leaves you know the plant is still good i see a new shoot coming out why did this leaf die i still don't understand the science behind that so you're going to have some dead leaves along the way you're going to have some things that turn brown it doesn't mean that the plant isn't still enduring that the plant isn't still rooted in um you know and the plant will make it if it just stays rooted in christ and and i think that's you know when you think in terms of the Bible's language, just look how it couches our existence in Christ. It's it's all those prepositional phrases, right? We're in Christ, it's for Christ, it's by Christ, it's with Christ, it's through Christ, it's of Christ, it's because of Christ. It's just keeps going. It's like it's like like the Bible writers are trying to say, do you get it? <laughs> this is how you make it. <laughs> Sever yourself from those prepositions and you're through. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. You're sunk. What else does the Bible say? Is how you're going to shipwreck shipwreck your faith. 
right? Right, right. You're through. Yeah. So just just keep the prepositional phrases, man, and just live within the the the, the boundaries of those those prepositional phrases. And we'll probably be pretty okay, even with yeah. the brown leaf here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing Jesus told his disciples in Matthew was that he would be with them always, even to the end of the age. And so I think that's, um, that's, that's a great thing. Talk. What's yeah. that? That's presence talk. How yes. much the Bible talks in terms of that presence, proximity, stay mm-hmm. close, stay near. Right. Cause this is, this is, this is how we make it. Yeah. Well, uh, that'd be a a great segue to this next question, which is, you know, what are some of the most common things that you've experienced or you observed that prevent someone from enduring? Oh, man, like I had to quit when you you sent me that question and my (laughs) mind just started to spin. I had to actually like stop writing because I was like, this could we could spend the whole 45 minutes here. Hmm. But um. And this is not necessarily in any order. And I would say a lot of this isn't just things that I've read in the Bible. This isn't just mm-hmm. things that I've seen in other people, but these are things that I've I've struggled with and I've had experience even in my own my own walk, my own self. Um, and you kind of already touched on it, but I think when we when we switch in our minds, this idea of doing something with Christ and it moves to doing something for him, we're mm-hmm. gonna burn out at some point. Because you and I have limited resources, we have limited strength, we have limited power. So me doing something for God, I don't know how far that's going to get me. Me doing something with God, this is the idea. Again, the Bible wants us to understand that we co-labor with our master and we co-labor with each other. So I think sometimes some of those shifts in our minds. So I think that if I if I don't make that shift, I don't understand um, my partnership with God from that kind of a place, I could quit enduring. I could burn out in, in many ways. I think another thing that can prevent endurance is when we are functioning for a long period of time outside of our gifting. You know, and it's the proverbial, you know, using your coffee cup as a hammer. You're you're using it in a way it wasn't designed to be used. So that life giving portion, kind of fulfilling your purpose, living within your design, um, you're working against yourself. So I think it's really important for us to sense where God wants us to function, um, the the part of the body that we need, that we are. Be okay with that and give that to the body because that's life-giving, not only to the body, but also to ourselves. I think too, um, I mean, I could just keep going. If if we if we shift from um, if we need to people please, if we're if we're if we're people pleasers, we are not going to make it. We're just, we're just not going to make it. And I just love, I think it's John two, where it said that Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew what, he knew what was in our hearts. He knows what we're like. We are fickle. So if you're, if you're, if you're um, about people pleasing, you're setting yourself up for failure because people are going to dis you know, they're, they're going to disappoint you. There's going to be discouragement. There's even going to be disillusionment. You know, you can't control other people's narratives. You can't control their perceptions. You can't make everybody like you. So at a, Mm. at a certain point, you're just going to burn out. If you're trying to gain approval, if you're trying to gain everyone's affection, because you're going to lose sight of your calling, your design, your purpose. And at that point, you're no longer following the, uh, the master. You're kind of following 
you know, the moving herd, you're following other people um, kind of a thing. So yeah. I think another thing that can keep us from enduring is that when we are not a part of authentic community, because we were not meant to do life on our own, it's not possible. Um, so when we when we don't you know, I got another example. So I've got a, we had a freeze here in Florida and I've got this beautiful little plant that lost all of its leaves. That little guy is just this little thing and he's not going to make it. There's just, he's not going to make it. And I'm, I'm just hoping I've been waiting for two months for a little leaf to sprout. He's not going to make it, you know, you're not going to make it without all the other leaves, you know, so we need the community. We need authentic community. We need, um, I think community can help us from falling away. I think it can help us um, protect us against our own self-deceptions, you know, and I'm not just saying that we need to be in church on Sunday morning. That's part of what it means to be in community, but that's not necessarily, you know, that intimate, personal, authentic space, you know, so we need to be in a place where we can have genuine community. I think another thing that really, and I've seen a lot of this over the over the last several years, um, I think that what um, prevents us from enduring is <laughs> bad theology, man. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bad theology in Christianity hmm. and that bad theology, like like it messes us up. It, it sets us up for these false expectations. It, 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 you know, and then when all of that breaks, you know, we, we have this false idea of what community is supposed to be. We have this false idea of what God is supposed to be. We have this false idea of what life is supposed to produce and the Christian life is supposed to produce. So mm. this bad theology, man, it can, it can take the floor out from underneath us and we're not yeah. going to endure. And I think that God is constantly trying to rework our thinking, you know, to get our minds more aligned with him and with life and, and the way things really do work. Um, and uh, uh, my mind just went to this one scene in The Chosen, you know, and I think it's in season. I don't know what season it's in. But anyways, it's this guy. He's lame. They're sitting around this fire and the wife asks, you know, so if you're the Messiah and you're bringing the kingdom, you know, when is all this pain and all this suffering going to stop? You know, and what Jesus does in this scene is he begins to correct her theology, you mm. know, that the bad stuff is not in this life, on this earth, in this state. He said that bones are going to break and hearts are going to break. And what he's come is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, where that one day will not happen. But right now, those things are still going to happen. And what he's trying to do is create access you know, so that people can enter this kingdom where that thing will not happen one day. But if our thinking is that, well, you're here, these things are supposed to stop. So it's going to mess you up. It's going to mm -hmm. mess you up. So I think another thing that that prevents us from enduring is just um, not understanding how to define weariness. And I think there's I think it's important to know that not all weariness is the same. So I, uh, one of the things that I tell my, uh, the women around me all the time is that if they're weary of the work that God has given them to do, then they've, they've, they need vision. It's easy to lose your vision. It's easy to lose sight of what you're called to do and, and, and what your life is supposed to be about. So if you're weary of the work you're doing, maybe what you lack is vision. But if you're weary in the work that you're doing, then you need Sabbath. And so just kind of discerning when you need Sabbath and when you need your vision tweaked or when you need it renewed, you know, kind of a thing, when you need it, um, new life to be 
brought into it or to be given to you. And I think another thing, of course, this goes without saying, um, you're, we're going to lack the endurance uh, to 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 follow as a disciple if we decide that the world and our flesh become more attractive. Hmm. So if I mean, you've got to choose what you want to follow. So I'm either going to follow I'm either going to be a Demas and follow after what the world offers and what I feel the pleasures are out here or or I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice it all like a Paul and just keep going, even if Mm -hmm. they beat me, you know, kind of a thing. So, um, you know, it's it's first John chapter two that the you you can't love God and love the world at the same time. So you're picking one. And you're going mm-hmm. to endure with whatever you pick, you know? So which one are you picking? So that's my short list on what can prevent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I counted eight. That's the different... short list on what can prevent our endurance. <laughs> I think I counted eight different things that, yeah, uh, that you just... listed there, which which is great. Uh, on that last point, I think um, the parable of the the soils came to mind. You yes. know, the four soils and, of course, the, the first soil didn't receive the seed at all. But then the other three, it was really a story about endurance and um in fact, I think it's Luke's gospel that actually says that it, it the good the good soil was the soil that received the seed and then bore fruit with endurance. Whereas you see that both the the shallow soil, the rocky soil, and also with the thorns, um, something started off well, and then time demonstrated that that there were problems and and. On that note, something else that stood out to me in the list of things that you that you gave there is how many of those. It was a very short list, right? (laughs) But how many of those were um, maybe I would describe as internal things that weren't wired right on the inside, whether it's people pleasing or whether it's just having the, the, the wrong mindset of working for Christ instead of working with Christ or bad theology. Um, or, you know, the desires of my heart and, and not guarding my heart, uh, recognizing that from it flow the, the springs of life. But there were some external ones as well. And I think in some cases, the solution is also external, which is exposure to um, the, the sources that can rewire us or, or correct us when we, when we do get off track. And those would be the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, and like you mentioned, uh, a community of saints that really know us and and that are actively following Jesus themselves yes. so that we're encouraged to, to go with this tribe of, of fellow believers. So, um, so I hope folks are taking notes because there was a lot there. We could actually, <laughs> we could deep dive any one of those uh, eight things yeah, that we could, that, uh, that you mentioned there and, and uh, take it even further. I have um. I have a scripture that stood out to me um, and maybe this is, uh, I actually jotted down a few scriptures and if you have some that you want to share, then uh, I'd love to hear those as well. But one idea that stood out to me as you were sharing there was that endurance in some ways, it's, it's, it's the testing of our faith. It's, it's the proving of our faith that over time, as we come up against disappointments, either because we have unmet expectations or maybe um, something outside of us, like there, there are, um, you know, trials and tribulations that uh, come our way because we're seeking to, to follow Jesus. Um, so whether those pressures are coming from uh, inside of us with those unmet expectations or bad theology, or whether it's an external force uh, something happening to us, the the test or the crisis moment, 
um, is really proven or, or we fall short in the area of, of endurance. And so there was a, um, a verse out of Romans five that says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And then, um, of course, another famous verse that, uh, a lot of us are familiar with is out of Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so the question, I guess, is, is it possible to endure without resistance? Is it possible to endure if we no. aren't encountering some sort of disappointment or if we're, we're seeking to avoid hardship in our in our life of faith? And I would say if somebody is trying to live a life to avoid hardship, they're living in a fantasy world because, I mean, hell is on earth. We're around fallen people and we experience fallen relationships and we're in fallen bodies. And even though heaven has come to earth, it's not here in its fullness. So we don't we still have the crying and the sorrow and the death and the grief. All of those things are still here in disease. So I think that would be bad theology that yeah. would mess them up. You know, and I think I, I, Paul said in Acts, I mean, we, we inherit the kingdom of God through trial and tribulation. You know, so I think the Bible is really trying to level our expectations and for us to understand that it will not be easy down here, which is why there's so much perseverance talk in the Bible. I am reminded Jesus and I think it's Matthew 24. Is it 13 where he says those who are who endure to the end? They're the ones who are actually saved. So right. in, endurance is really important because, you know, it's not. It's not who starts the race. It's who's still there when the race is ended. Right. That that's kind of where the Bible is, that anyone can sign up for the race. Anyone can start the race. Anyone can do that. You know who ran the race to the end because they're puking on the other side. They're like they're mm -hmm. like they're like on the other side, you know, losing it. Yeah. So I think this is the Bible's. Um, this is this is what the Bible is trying to help us catch. This is the thrust of the Bible is that we are not. I mean, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up a cross. I mean, I don't know that there is a way to think through the Christian life rightly without sensing that endurance will have pain. Endurance will have resistance. Re endurance will will encounter tribulation and yeah. trial. And yeah. my favorite set of scripture and I, I might have shared this with you before it's Matthew 10 like I don't know why we don't know that like verse by verse because mm -hmm. there are not many places in the scriptures where it tells us that Jesus gives us instructions like most of the stuff we're like seriously God could mm -hmm. you just tell me what point one would be and then what the next point is but Matthew 10 starts off with the fact that Jesus gave his disciples these instructions. Mm -hmm. And the instructions kind of fall into two parts. What he wants that ministry of, uh, of their life to be, the ministry of the kingdom, and how they begin this ministry of evangelism, this ministry of discipleship. He literally tells us how to begin doing 
his version of evangelism, his version of discipleship. Nobody's listening to Jesus. And then when you hit about verse 16, what Jesus begins to tell us is what we can expect when we start doing this ministry of evangelism and discipleship. So he says, your own people, they're going to attack you. I'm going to send you back as a little sheep among wolves. And he's not even talking about the world. He's talking about like the people in Israel, right? Hmm. And then he's going to, then he tells you, so this is what you can expect from your family. And this is what you can expect from your boss and your coworkers. This is what you can expect from the world. And the whole thing is like, yeah, kind of sucks being a Christian doing this ministry of, you know, evangelism and discipleship. And yet he says, but you want, you, you want my amen. Hallelujah. Keep going. Follow Mm -hmm. me. I did it. And you're not greater than the master. So just do what I did. Just keep going. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. I think that's, you know, like you said, bad theology, Uh, Jesus. Yeah. If you study just the way he set expectations for his disciples in the gospels, um, he went out of his way and yet you know, it yes. seems that with the disciples, you know, they, they were missing it. And I think it's the same for us today that I think, um, I remember you were the first one who I remember talking about this verse out of Proverbs and you'll have to help me with the reference. I think it's Proverbs 24, 10, yeah. but it's the verse that it says, weak in a crisis, it's weak indeed. yes, if you are yes. weak in the day of distress, you are weak yeah. indeed. So the testing of our faith really is in those crisis moments when we're disappointed, when we don't understand, um, or when something happens to us, when we are rejected, when we do experience that fallout from a, a close family member or a friendship because of our faith, not because we've done something wrong, but because we're following Jesus, that, that's the testing point. Um, and then, you know, to, to also, so, so that's one idea of endurance, but then the second is just that we should expect it. You know, Jesus was constantly saying that this is what it's going to be about as you follow me. Um, and that's why, like you said, the verse uh, out of Matthew that it, he, the one who endures to the end, um, will be saved. I, I, I was kind of smiling as you were, we were talking there because I think it's in John 16, but Jesus again, right? The, the night of his betrayal and uh, the night before his death on the cross, he's he's preparing the disciples, and uh, he's going through uh, in John 16 talking about all the troubles that they're going to have in the world. You have trouble, but take courage; I have overcome the world. That's out of John 16. But earlier in that chapter is where he says, um, uh, you know, they'll kick you out of the synagogues and, and a day is coming when those who put you to death will think that they are offering service to God. Yeah. They're doing God's will. <laughs> and I'm thinking if I'm a disciple at that table, like, what are you thinking? Because like, he's, he's basically saying, Hey, this is, this is in the future for you guys. Uh, and we know that it was uh, according to church tradition, church history. Uh, most of the disciples did die for their faith. They were put to death um, for their faith. So, you know, just just making sure that we understand that the reason endurance is so important is because this life of following Jesus is going to take us through deep waters. Yes. Yes. And there's no avoiding it. Yeah. God's not trying to keep us from avoiding it. That's the bad of theology. Right. The, the the bad theology is thinking that if I live a certain way, I can avoid the bad waters. If I if I obey this and I do that, the thou the do the what is it? What did you say? The the um thou, thou shalt, shalt not, not the thou shalt, thou right? Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I if I keep my list straight, you know, somehow it will I will it'll grant me immunity right. 
from the trials and the tribulations. And I, yeah. there's just nothing in scripture that says that like ever. Right. Until well, you hit revelation 21, but like, that's because this earth is gone. The new heaven and the new earth is here, but right. life as we know it on present, you know, earth. Yeah. It's not going to be like yeah. that. And that's why Paul said at the end of second Timothy, you know, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, but that's because he was at the end of his life, his earthly life. So at that moment, he could say, all right, I've endured. I'm at the end here and I've crossed that finish line like you were talking about earlier. And they're getting ready to chop off my head. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, someone who's been very influential in both of our lives is, is Cecil Bean. And yes. uh, something that I can remember him sharing when he was explaining how God brought him to faith and then the work that God did in, especially in the early years after he came to faith, because those were very difficult years for Cecil. And um, he he shared a quote, and I, I, I don't know what the source of the quote was, but it was something along the lines of um, his life, uh, the foundations of his life were being shaken, and it was so disruptive that it drove him to God, only to find out that it was God who was shaking the foundations. <laughs> and so uh, I think there's this, uh, this understanding that we need to have. So, so many of us, you know, we're, we're hoping that God will make our life easier, smoother, uh, more prosperous. Uh, and certainly we, we enjoy, I, I've enjoyed far more blessings than I could ever deserve. However, you know, another thing that Cecil would say is that God did not call you to himself to make your life easier, but to make you stronger, uh, to, to become an overcomer, which is something that we see throughout the scriptures and especially there in, in the book of Revelation. So this mindset is very important for us to, to try to adopt. And it's something that does not come naturally to us. And it didn't come naturally to the first followers of Jesus. So I suppose we can take some encouragement, but that's part of why we want to talk about it today. Yeah, and I think what you're saying is just really important. And again, it's the bad theology, because even though God does promise things like abundance and, and spiritual prosperity and those kinds of things, what he has not declared, what he has not communicated is how he defines that, right? Mm -hmm. And how we're going to get there. And I think sometimes, too, we we forget that that God is supernatural and he is invested in his spiritual kingdom and in his realm. This is what he's invested in. And, and he's told us that this space that we're in right now is very temporary. So God is not invested in doing things that just secure the temporary in our lives. He's invested in securing eternal things, supernatural mm -hmm. things. Right. And he will he will he will allow the 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 natural with its good and its bad its uses and its abuses this is the whole idea behind i can work all things out for the good right right not that all things are good but i i think what god is trying to let us know is that he's committed to making sure that hell does not have to have the final say in our lives this is what God is committed to. He's not committed to the fact that hell won't have its effect in our life. He's committed that it won't have its final say in our life. And this is the endurance that we don't give up, that we don't give up until we can until we get the hallelujah. Right. That yeah. we just keep going because God's working something out. And it's eternal what he's working out. And Jesus right. even said, like, if you're right, if you're, what is it? Your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck the thing out. Better to go 
you know, yeah. better to go into eternity a little mutilated than to go, you know, or to live in this life mutilated than to go into eternity whole, all jacked up. So mm. everything in scripture is letting us know that God is not trying to preserve my temporal life as is, you know, this mm. is not in its present state, the fountain of life, right? He's, mm. But he is after preserving life in me. And he wants to be able to bless something in my life. And he can't bless what isn't him. So he, there's just, again, working through, and we, and we all do. All of, I love something that N.T. Wright said, and this is a terrible quote. And he said, but basically all of us um, have misbelieved about 25%. That's a, just a baseline number. About 25% of what we believe isn't even the truth. It's all messed up. The only thing is we just don't know what 25% is actually messed up, you know? So we are all operating from this space where things are not right in our head. They're not rightly aligned, but we just don't automatically know where all those things are that are not rightly aligned, but God right. does. He's working mm -hmm. it out and he works it out mm -hmm. through life. It's kind of painful when he does, mm -hmm. but there's the blessing on the other side. If we would endure with God, if we would cooperate with God, and what it is he's trying to work out. Right. Uh, so good. And I mean, there's just verses popping into my head as you're sharing there, like, know. You, know, you know, Colossians three, where he says, don't set your minds on things below, but Thank set you. your minds on the things above. And it's so hard for us to do. It's part of, yeah. it's maybe like the first step of endurance is just to purposely choose to set your mind on the things above. And Thankfully, you know, God has given us his, his spirit and he's given us his words. He's given us the scriptures to help us do that because it's very hard yeah. for us <laughs> to do that. By nature, we're made of flesh. We live on this earthly yeah. plane and our minds by nature are set on the things below. It's just the way we're wired. It's supernatural for us to set our minds on the things above. But, you know, Jesus, he, he really is. He, he is our example par excellence. Even in the same book there in Hebrews, you know, going on with Hebrews chapter 12, that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, this, this horrible experience that he was going through, uh, this experience of, of sorrow and pain and suffering. It was because his mind was set on the hope that was before him, the work, the greater work that the father was doing um, through this this earthly suffering that Jesus was willing to endure. Well, do you have um, do you have any figures or people in your own life that have been inspirational or helpful, like role models for you when it comes to enduring? So I can honestly say, probably the the it would be my my mom, and my mom is um, eighty eight years old. And actually, she's been living with me now for the last uh, three years. So my mom has got um, Parkinson's and she's got a lot of other little issues, if not big issues, you know. And um, so it's been a blessing that for me that it's it's my it's my opportunity to kind of care for her and um, and just to help her have a good quality of life until Jesus Christ takes her home. But, you know, uh, I would say that my mother is a really great example of just uh, of, of endurance and um, perseverance in general. Um, 
you know, she was a, a she's a black woman who was married to a white man in the 60s. And so those were turbulent times. And we were a biracial family. And um, I didn't even know that we were a biracial family. Things were so calm and peaceful in my family. My mom protected us from so many things and and made sure that we saw people the way God wanted us to see people. And, um, you know, my my youngest sister is a quadriplegic, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, she's considered profoundly retarded. So just seeing my mother care for my sister all those years, um, we were that biracial family, like I said. Um, my father wound up uh, leaving her for another woman. And so she went through this painful divorce and we were then suddenly raised by a single mother. And I, I look back over these years and I can't tell you one single time that I ever heard my mother complain. Even though my father broke my my mother's heart, I never heard my fa- my mother back talk or, or um, you know, bad talk my father. There was never any slander. Um, she never got in the way of our relationship with our father. I mean, they're just the example of just how how to kind of live life. Um, you know, she she was a hard worker. She was a scrapper. She made good financial decisions, you know, for us. And and um, in these latter years, I've seen her suffer a lot with her knees and knee replacements and the Parkinson's and some other debilitating things. And you just, you never hear her complain. I feel like I cut my finger and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a crybaby. And so there is a part of me that is just like, you know, make me more like her. There's a grace and a graciousness with her um, that has seen a lot of stuff as a black woman, that's seen a lot of stuff as a single mom, that has seen a lot of stuff you know, um, and, and he just, I don't hear the complaint. She just, Mm. she just keeps going. She just keeps going with no bitterness, no angst, no Mm. anger, you know, and I would love, I hope that I'm getting more like that, but she's such a great example for me of that. She's got this constant quiet faith. She's exceedingly kind and she's very generous. And she does what she can as an 88-year-old woman just to try to make her own little difference in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've got a real-life example of Christian endurance right in front of me. And I've had it in front of me for my 61 years. Yeah. So That's amazing. And I think, um, you know, as as you and I continue to go through life, like, you know, we've known each other, like I said, for going on 30 years. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that that brings so much encouragement and hope that we can think of people that have gone before us. But, you know, I would also say it's, it's a fairly short list. So uh, yeah. it's also um, a great challenge and a great calling is to be some of those who continue to endure and to walk with Jesus and, and to do it in a gracious way, in a way that that is an example to others that you, you never know who's watching you. But we need those you know, everyday examples. So it's not just the great people that we hear about, like Mother Teresa from history and from the other side of the world. But, um, you know, let's be those people. um, Well, clearly I need it so much so that God had to put her in my house. Like it's not (laughs) enough for her to be my mom. He's like, listen, you're getting up in age, Susie. I need to give you a 24-7 example of what I need you to shoot for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that is beautiful. 
And I've had the the pleasure of meeting your mom a few times, uh, although I haven't had nearly as much time to spend with her as I I would like. But um, well, at the risk of kind of going in the opposite direction, um, you and I have lived this life of following Jesus, but also seeking to help others follow him. So going back to our slogan is to be a disciple and to make disciples in the everyday places of life. That's that's really our calling. Um, and you know, we've, you know, I can remember talking with Cecil years back and this was maybe three or four years into really following Jesus and, and trying to help other people come to know and follow him. And I was just uh, in a great mood, I guess. So I was talking with Cecil about how excited I was and how grateful I was to this life that, you know, making disciples was, you know, why wouldn't anyone want to do this? Why wouldn't any believer want to follow Jesus and help other people follow him? And I can remember Cecil said, uh, well, you haven't had your, your first Judas yet. <laughs> and um, it's always stuck with me that, that that's one of the things that we experience as, as we go through making disciples is we do see people that we care deeply about and that we've invested a lot into um, who turn away from the faith, who don't endure. And, you know, I was wondering, I'm sure you've had that experience. Um, how do you process that and, and what helps you maintain hope and continue to give? You know, I think of Paul when he said in Philippians 2, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And I've always loved that verse because, you know, if you just pour something out, it's, it can see, it can seem so wasteful and so pointless. Like why, why is Paul pouring out his life? And yet he's able to rejoice, um, even if um, there isn't that return. So yeah, how, how have you processed um, seeing people that you care about turn away and, and not endure? And, and Cecil was so spot on, you know, I mean, I think that if you, if you do ministry for any length of time, it's going to happen. It's one of those other unavoidables, right? Mm -hmm. People have free will um, and you don't control what people do or what they don't do. Um, I also think, I think that the Bible gives us not only the Judas example, but it gives us a, a couple of other examples along with that, that can kind of help us process. I know for me, this has been helpful. So there are going to be the Judases. They, they, they turn, they, 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 lo- they lose vision for you. They lose vision for their ministry, whatever the case, they turn away. They, and, and they, and they lose themselves in the process, right. And the turning away. You also have those people like Barnabas, where, you know, we don't, Barnabas wasn't a Judas, but Barnabas just wound up with a different vision from Paul. Um, whether whether it was right, whether it was wrong, whether he made a mistake, that can all be debated. But bottom line, we know they they saw the ministry differently. They saw their mission differently, and they wound up going in two different directions. And Barnabas was not Judas. So it's important for us not to process everybody the same way. Some some are Judas and we know by the way they behave and things like that, they become a Judas. But some are like a Barnabas, you know, and, and they just have a different vision. Some are like a John Mark, you know, they turn away for a season, you know, um, but they 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 come back 
you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they realign, you know, so there's a turning away for a season, but they come back, you know, and we could keep going. I mean, there's the mm-hmm. Demises of the world too, you know, that they, they turn away for different reasons. Demas didn't turn away for religious reasons. I would say that a Judas kind of turned away for religious political reasons. Um, and it, it shipwrecked him. Right. But mm-hmm. Demas turned away because he was just, you know, like, fleshly he wanted the world right? right so there's i think the bible gives us different examples of of why people turn away or or even turn away from us or turn away in general i would say this for me in my own experiences over the years is just recognizing that when you've walked closely with people and for whatever their reasons are that they that they wind up leaving even if it's good reasons it doesn't mean that you don't go through some type of grief hmm. And I think that we've got to understand grief the way all the counselors tell us to understand grief. It it has a rhythm. It has a process. It's got a cycle. And I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by not allowing ourselves to grieve. So if you had somebody that was really Mm -hmm. close to you and now they're gone and you even understand the reasons why they've gone, doesn't mean that you're not bleeding out. It doesn't mean that their choice hasn't disrupted something in your world. And it doesn't mean that there's there's not a, um, like your own vision for your ministry, it's gotta be reshaped because for whatever it's worth, you saw your vision, you saw your ministry with them. Now they're not there. You've gotta find your footing again, right? So right. there's there is a grieving process. And I think that um I mm. think what goes wrong too is that people leave and they leave for their own reasons, whatever those reasons are, but they don't respect that you've got a grieving process to go through. And so then they've got a mm. false expectation of what you're supposed to be able to give to them now that they've left, even though you're bleeding out over here and you're trying to heal, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it, it gets kind of messy. And I think this is one of those places where, you know, there is grace from a ministry leader to let people go. There has to be grace from the people who go for the ministry leader because the ministry leader still has whatever their call was. They've still got to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think um, for me, uh, recognizing that I was grieving and 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 not um, not apologizing for the grief working my way through the grief was actually um, has been helpful um, in the different times that I've had to do this. I think too, it's really important that we don't get caught up in the lie um, because I think sometimes it's easy to um, it's easy to think like, you know, we got to understand that their path is not your path. So you got you got to make that first. Their path is not your path. And whatever path they're on, you didn't put them on it. Like Jesus didn't put Judas on that Mm. path. Paul did not put Barnabas on that path. Paul didn't put Demas on that path. Paul didn't put John Mark on that path. So sometimes it's really kind of freeing yourself from realizing their path Mm. is their path. It's not your path. And no matter what that path is, you didn't put them on it. There were choices because of free will that had to be that were made that that right. that put people on a path, right? right? So it's it. I think that's an that's important, and um, I think something too that's been important for me is just because though somebody might blame me for the path that they're on, it doesn't mean that it's my fault. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's this constant processing, you know, and mm-hmm. I think in the end. 
we want to make sure that we're doing, um, you know, that, you know, what, what did, what did he say? As much as it depends on you be at peace with all men, it doesn't mean that you will be at peace with all men, but it means that internally you are making this effort. And I would say part of that effort internally means that you are committed to praying for people, Mm -hmm. um, Praying for people even through that grieving process, you know, praying for people, um, whether you understand why they left, pray for them. If you don't understand why they left, pray for them. If there's if 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 if, if, if things went south when they left, you want to pray for them and you pray for them for your own sake, too, because it protects your heart. Because, you know, the writer of Hebrews also told us to be to to bitterness doesn't affect just other people. It, it affects it affects you, too. So you you, you got to protect yourself against a bitter root. So I think, um, again, be willing to process the fact that there is a grieving that's going on. Give yourself grace to grieve, even if others don't give you that grace. You've got to you've got to accept that somebody else's path is their path and you did not physically pick them up and put them on that path. Right. Mm -hmm. So that you give yourself some freedom. You give yourself some freedom and just understanding, again, somebody else's narrative doesn't have to be your narrative, you know, Hmm. so just we just we just don't get caught in all this stuff because the grieving process is hard enough. You know, the grieving process is hard enough. And I would say don't don't label everyone the same way. Again, I feel like the Hmm. Bible gives us lots of examples of people that leave and they're not always terrible reasons. And even if there are some bad reasons, like even a John Mark for whatever his reasons were, they can come back. So we Hmm. want to make sure that there's always room for people to come back. right? Right. And whether they come back to us and in our ministry, it doesn't matter. We just always want to make room in our hearts for the return, whatever that might look like. Right. Yeah. If you're bitter, like seriously, there's no room in your heart for the return. <laughs> but you have to protect against any bitterness. So there's always right. room in your heart for the return. Yeah. Well, I think that, that I say that, that kind of brings us full circle that so much of endurance really does have to do with, you know, having the right frame of mind, the right um, frame of heart, having our hearts in the right end. And, and to that end, you know, we just have to let ourselves be shaped by Jesus. So um, going back to the beginning that this life is going to bring us all kinds of challenges and setbacks and disappointments. And some of the most painful will be relational. There'll be relationships that didn't turn out the way we hoped uh, for whatever those reasons are. So I I think that was great, Susie. I really appreciate you sharing that. And I definitely resonated (laughs) with several, uh, you know, uh, several of the things that you were sharing there. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. I think we're we're coming up on our time here, sister, but I really yeah. appreciate you making the time and sharing from your wisdom. I know that you don't take these things lightly, so I I appreciate you uh doing doing the the preparation and giving it the thought and prayer even before we we jumped on this call today to uh, to share with with us and I I think it's going to be encouraging to the people who get to listen and learn from it. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I believe in what God has been doing through you and, and in your ministry, Andrew. And um, I just thank you for the the partnership. I feel that this is a good example of the body of Christ being the body of Christ to one another, male and female, you know, um, West Coast, East Coast, you know, uh, two discipleship ministries, two, two, two people who have a heart for Jesus. And all we're trying to do is bring him glory, right? Yep. And at its core, discipleship is nothing about 
nothing but relationships and relationships are messy. So figuring out how to navigate those messy relationships between us and God and us and each other is going to help us endure. Yep. 100%. Well, thanks for coming on, Susie. We'll definitely have you on again, hopefully soon, just to uh, continue (laughs) to learn how we can follow Jesus and how we can help others follow him together. So anytime, brother, anytime.